You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and we are going to start a new series. A new series. We're going to keep them coming. This series is going to be focusing on functional anatomy and on human movement science. So I think that we're going to start off with a joint action review. Now, <clears throat> I was going to start off talking about the gluteus maximus as I knew it would be an excellent starting point and a topic of interest. However, we do have a glute development course that's going to be coming out soon. So I'll align the glute episode with the glute development content that NASM will be putting out soon. And we also have a podcast coming out with on uh, our friend Andre Adams, who is a, an Olympian, a, a bodybuilding building Olympian, and Dr. Sonny Andrews. So when that comes out, it'll closely align. They're going to be talking about glute and glute development as bodybuilders and Dr. Sonny Andrews as a researcher. So that'll be coming out soon, but instead we're going to be talking about joint action reviews. So for those of you that, um, that are functional anatomy nerds, you may listen to this and be like, oh, I'm not ready. Like, I, I, I know joint actions. I know what they are. But I'm going to say, you may want to wait around till the end of the episode to learn some interesting nuggets that don't fall into the three cardinal planes, sagittal, frontal, and transverse. And for those of you who find this information difficult, you may want to make sure you listen to the first part of it when it comes to the sagittal, frontal, and transverse plane. But as we get into some of the other planes of motion, uh, you, you can dip out. You can dip out if you're like, ah, this is overwhelming. It's too much. Don't worry about it. And I also want to say this. None of this information is designed for the purpose of helping you with the NASM test, though I think it will. It's not the purpose. In fact, none of the NASM CPT podcast is designed to help you pass a test. It is to help provide you information to help you become a better, more educated, uh, more intuitive trainer, and then include business processes that go on with that that help you in your training business. We do, however, have some episodes, and they specifically say these episodes are for... Uh, like a study guide, which include 14 episodes that we did in the summer of 2021 on the NASM CPT-7. So those are specific for helping you study for exam. These are just supplemental information to help you as a personal trainer understand better movement. So we're going to get into learning a little bit more about movement. This is going to take place uh, our first kind of focus is going to be the sagittal plane. So there are three planes of motion, sagittal, frontal, and transverse. The sagittal plane, it's like walking, moving forward and backwards, up and down. So uh, keeping your feet straight ahead and, you know, doing a lunge, walking, those things are in the sagittal plane. So each plane of motion has joint actions that are associated specifically with that plane. And so two of the big ones that you've heard of are flexion and extension. Flexion and extension are owned by the sagittal plane. So we've got flexion and extension. There are a few other ones, but let's go into it. Flexion and extension. Flexion is the decrease in the angle between two bones, two or more bones around a joint. 
So the easy one to do here is elbow flexion. So take your arm, your elbow, have it completely straight. And then as you bend that, right in front of me, as you bend it, you're decreasing the angle between the two bones around this joint. Now, all the movement takes place from the anatomical position. So that's where you're standing upright, feet straight ahead. The arms are next to you with your palms facing forward. Anatomical position isn't like normal how you're supposed to stand position because nobody stand, you don't stand with your palms facing forward. But anatomical position is that position. So your movement must take place from that position. So flexion and extension, bending at the elbow, flexion, decreasing the angle between two bones at a joint. And then extension, the increase of angle between two bones around its joint, its axis of rotation. Those take place in the sagittal plane. Hip flexion, hip extension, knee flexion, knee extension, shoulder flexion, shoulder extension, spinal flexion, spinal extension, sagittal plane. All of those are in the sagittal plane. And then there are a couple more. We have dorsiflexion and plantar flexion. These are two other joint actions take place in the sagittal plane. Hmm, but why aren't, why isn't one of them called extension? Uh, it's a good question. And the truth of the matter is it can be. So if somebody said, I want you to go into ankle extension, then I know when they say ankle extension, that they're talking about plantar flexion. Plantar flexion is when you point your foot. Plantar flexion is the decrease in angle between the plantar portion of the foot, which is the bottom of the foot, and the posterior shin. It's pointing the foot from the ankle. That's plantar flexion. Uh, if you hear these words, triple extension, we hear that for when it comes to running. So running coaches, uh, jumping coaches, they might use the word triple extension, where that is hip extension, knee extension, and plantar flexion plantar flexion is ankle extension. So we know that that's part of our vocabulary, adding in triple extension, but it's just not, um, it's not what we call it. It's called plantar flexion. But if you said ankle extension, I'd be like, I know, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. And then there's dorsiflexion. It's the opposite of that. <clears throat> dorsiflexion, dorsum of the foot is the top of the foot. Think about the dorsal fin. It's on the uh, on the top portion of the dolphin, right? So the dorsum of the foot, this top portion of the foot, and it is flexion. It is the decrease in angle between the dorsum of the foot and the anterior shin. It's when you pull your foot up towards your head in a calf stretch. That is dorsiflexion. A lot of times we're limited in dorsiflexion. We don't have enough dorsiflexion, and that can alter our squat mechanics and our movement from our feet up our body. And that limited dorsiflexion can cause us to have excessive forward lean. It can cause our feet to turn out. It can keep our knees from going uh, towards our toes in our lunging and our squatting positions and altering our biomechanics of our squat. So those are your sagittal plane ranges of motion. Flexion extension, plantar flexion, uh, dorsiflexion. Let's get into the frontal plane. Frontal plane. Frontal plane is movement of your body or your limbs side to side. Super confusing. I know it. Uh, if it doesn't make sense, then you have to memorize it. 
So if it doesn't make sense, you have to memorize it. But frontal plane is when things move side to side because the plane is the direction that you're moving. So if you have a plane that's in front of you, then you can't walk forward through it. You have to go along with it. So it's movement from side to side. Think jumping jacks. Think jumping jacks is the ultimate frontal plane exercise. So what are the joint actions? Joint actions are going to be abduction, which is movement away from the midline, and adduction, abduction, taking away, movement away, when aliens take people away from cornfields, they are abducted, they are taken away. That's abducted, they're taken away. So the arms moving away from the midline are being abducted. And then the aliens are like, this person crazy, let's put them back. And then they are added back to society where they are further shunned through adduction. It's the movement of the arm or the limb back towards the midline of the body. In what plane? In the frontal plane. AB, abduction, and AD, adduction, take place in the frontal plane. They're frontal plane movements. We also have inversion and eversion. We go back to the ankle, and the ankle kind of has its own names for things because, <clears throat> to, to be honest, a lot of times the ankle movement isn't a strict sagittal plane movement in dorsi and plantar flexion, not a strict frontal plane movement in inversion and eversion, but we will call it that without being strict. Inversion is when the feet turn in at the ankle and they, they face each other. The soles of the feet face each other. They are inverting. Eversion is when the feet turn away from each other in the frontal plane. It's when the soles of the feet turn away from the midline. So a lot of times an inversion, you think of an inversion ankle sprain. It's when somebody rolls their ankle uh, and their foot kind of goes in and they, they damage the outside, the lateral side of their ankle. Now, you don't see a lot of eversion ankle sprains because when you evert and get hurt, it's usually not your ankle. It's when your feet turn out, your knees go in and the eversion issues become knee issues. So that's a, that's an association with that. So we've got uh, inversion and eversion. Now let's move to the wrist. And we'll go frontal plane at the wrist. We have radial uh, deviation and ulnar deviation. So that's this kind of movement right here where you take your hand, just put it out in front of you. And if, if you keep your wrist straight and you just let it drop to the side, sideways in the frontal plane, so the pinky side goes down towards the bone on the uh, uh, on the medial side of the arm. That's the ulna is the medial side. So as the pinky drops sideways, that it not the pinky, but the wrist drops towards the pinky side sideways. And I look at this and I'm like, well, this is it makes me think John Cena. Dun, 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 you can't see me now, but uh, it's only the wrist movement. So that is ulnar deviation where the hand at the wrist drops laterally towards the pinky side. That is ulnar deviation. And it moves, it's got about 20 or 30 degrees, 30 degrees, I think, of ulnar deviation. But radial deviation, if you drop your wrist from neutral to the thumb side, it's only about 15 degrees. So there's not a lot of movement in radial deviation. But that occurs where the hand 
shifts towards the um, the lateral side and towards the radius bone in the frontal plane. And the last one I have is lateral flexion. Lateral flexion occurs at the spine, and it's when the side when the when the spine side bends. You do side bend. That is lateral flexion. So side bending is lateral flexion. So when it comes to the frontal plane, we've got abduction and adduction. We got inversion and eversion, radial deviation and ulnar deviation, and lateral flexion. Cool. So we have caught up now three planes of motion. Let's get to uh, the third plane of motion here, and that's going to be the transverse plane. So the transverse plane uses the words AB and AD, but, but you have to qualify them when you say it. If you only say adduction or abduction, the assumption is we're talking about the frontal plane. You have to say the words horizontal or transverse adduction or horizontal or transverse abduction because the horizontal plane and the transverse plane are the same thing. So you have to say the plane's name in front of the joint action if you say adduction and it's not frontal plane. So you have to say horizontal adduction. And that's movement towards the anterior midline in the transverse plane. So it moves in the transverse plane, it moves horizontally and think about like a bench press. Stop. Let's think about a fly, like a peck fly. Peck flies, yes, that I can see it. it's horizontal adduction as my as I fly and I bring the the dumbbells, my hands closer together in the transverse plane. And then when I lower that back down, I am decelerating horizontal abduction. Or if I do a rear delt fly, I'm concentrically going into horizontal abduction. Duction. So I'm pulling away from the anterior midline in the, in the transverse plane or the horizontal plane, or I'm bringing my hands together towards the anterior midline in the transverse plane. So horizontal AD coming towards the anterior midline, horizontal AB moving away from the horizontal midline in the horizontal or transverse plane. We also have rotations. So all rotations are going to take place in the transverse horizontal plane. So internal or medial rotation where, you know, you think about holding onto a cable or something like that. And you bring your, your rotation, you bring your hand in towards your body. That is internal rotation when you pull away and you move your hand away from the midline of your body. That's lateral rotation or external rotation. We use internal and external rotation a lot at NASM, uh, and a lot of people use medial and lateral rotations. And I'm not, I'm not sure uh, why certain groups kind of lean and gear towards certain language. That means the same thing, but we oftentimes will say internal and external at NASM. And you might read other people, and they may never use the word internal and external. It may always internal. They'll use medial or external. They'll use lateral. They're both correct. They're, they're both correct, so understanding both of those. And then there is, uh, you've heard of supination and pronation, but not at the ankle. This is, this is radial ulnar supination and pronation. So radial ulnar joint. So you have a, a proximal and a distal radial ulnar joint, and they kind of, the, the ulna is steady, actually. And this is in the forearm. So if you, if you hold your hand in front of you and your palm is facing you, you're in a supinated position. 
that's radio ulnar supination. And then what happens is that when you turn your palm down, and don't move anything except turn your palm away from you so you see the back of your hand, that is radio ulnar pronation. Supination and pronation, that is a transverse plane movement. It's interesting because you've got two bones, the ulna, and then the radius is flipping over the ulna. The, the ulna is stable. The ulna is still. It doesn't move in, in this joint action. Uh, the, only, the only joint moving is the radius moving around the ulna, but that is a transverse plane movement, radial ulnar supination and pronation. And then rotation. So all rotations will be considered to be in the transverse plane. So rotation of the spine, internal and external rotation of the hip, of the shoulder, at the knee joint, all of these are going to be transverse plane movements because the transverse or horizontal plane owns rotation. So when you go through and you know that there are three planes of motion and each of those planes of motion own joint actions, and again, the joint actions for your transverse plane are horizontal AB and adduction, internal and external rotation, radio and ulnar um, pronation and supination, and rotations all take place in the transverse plane. And then this is the part where, like, for those of you who have been listening and like, this is already thick, then just, you know fingers in the ears, la, 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 don't have to listen to this part. But for those of you who are like, I know all of this stuff, then you might find this interesting. And these are called joint motions in, in translation. And translations are sliding joints. So sliding joint is in translation. So all of your scapular movement, even though you can make an argument for protraction and retraction to be in the transverse plane, uh, you also would just say that that is a joint motion in translation because it's a sliding joint and sliding joints, you have difficulty identifying what plane of motion it could be in. Specifically, let's look at the one that we most commonly talk about, scapular elevation and scapular depression. Scapula go up, scapula drop back down. Scapular up, elevation. Scapula down, depression. When that goes up and down, what plane of motion is that? I don't, I, don't, I don't It's not sagittal because sagittal goes forward and backward, up and down. It's not frontal because frontal goes side to side. It's not horizontal because that is a rotational pattern that goes around the body. And then when you talk about protraction and retraction, you could argue, well, is it frontal plane because it's going side to side, but it also is moving around the rib cage. So it could be a little transverse. We just, we'll call that, and, and you can make an argument for it but we call them joint actions in translation. Those are translational movements, scapular elevation and depression, scapular elevation and depression, and then scapular protraction, kind of like the, the bad posture, protraction, scapular retraction, pulling the shoulder blades together. Those would be translation, joint movements in translation. And then there are angular movements, joint actions in angular movements. And this is pretty interesting because then you get scapular internal rotation. I'm sorry, what was that? Scapular internal rotation? Yeah, that's a, it's scapular winging is probably how you know that. So scapular winging is an angular joint movement. So we would say joint actions in angular movements. So not necessarily sagittal, frontal, or transverse, but 
joint actions and angular movements, and scapular internal rotation, which could make an argument, transverse plane, is scapular winging. Scapular winging. Then we have scapular external rotation, which is the return from winging back into its position against the ribcage. That is scapular external rotation, where the medial border of the scapula go back down onto the ribcage. Internal rotation is scapular winging, where the medial border comes off of the ribcage. And then there are two more. There's scapular anterior tipping or tilting and posterior tilting or tipping. And that's when the scapula lift up and tip. So the inferior angle of the scapula lifts off the rib cage. And then as it lowers back down, that would be posterior tipping. So an anterior tipping, that happens a lot of times. People in this protracted, elevated scapular position, and then they start to tip off the back of the... Um, uh, the, the bottom angle of the scapula starts to leave the scapula. It starts to tilt forward or tip forward. And when it returns back to the rib cage, that is a posterior tilting or a posterior tipping. Oh my goodness. You know, now, now that I've wrapped up everything and I think about everything I just said, I am wondering how scrambled brains are right now, having listened to what I just said. I know I said I was going to start a new series on anatomy, but maybe I shouldn't. Maybe Was that too much? If it was, let me know. Let me know. You guys hit me up and, um, and say, hey, Rick, I, I stopped listening because <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't. I just, it was too much. I wasn't ready for all that. It's a lot of information. Maybe do it, maybe go through it, but not do so much at once, uh, slow down, any of those things that I need to know. So go ahead and reach out to me. You can do so via DM on Instagram, where I'm most active, at dr.rickritchie, R-I-C-H-E-Y, or you can email me, rick.ritchie at nasm.org. And if you have anything in particular you want to hear about, you let me know. Thank you so much for listening. Like, share, subscribe, let other people in the fitness profession know that you listen to this and let them know any episodes you think they should listen to. Thank you so much. I'm Rick Ritchie. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.